Welcome back to Mostly Ghostly with Matthew Fisher, me, and my pal over there, Ray Booten. How you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I hope everybody else out there is doing pretty good. My throat's a little hoarse, a little raspy this evening. I've been doing a lot of casting and uh, talking and such, so it's a little rough on it. But uh, Ray's with us here. He's going to help bail, us, bail me out a little bit. So, uh, so Ray, you've been good? Everything's cool? Oh, yeah, just trying to stay cool in the heat wave we've had. I know that you 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 picked this week's uh, topic. Is there any reason why you picked this week's topic? I think it's one which everyone uh, would be really interested in. Mm-hmm. They've either discussed it or looked into it, and they're very much fascinated with it. Plus, it's something that uh, has been around for a long while. Yeah, I mean, it, you're talking about attachments and possession. And possession has been throughout history. It's been in many different cultures, uh, different religious beliefs, various forms of possession. And it's something that's out there, not only uh, in investigations or people have heard of, but even in movies people have seen. And I think it's something that people really have an interest in. And hopefully we can cover things that make them uh, think a little bit more about it, take it a little bit more serious, a lot more seriously, mm-hmm. and maybe if they choose to a little bit more of their own research to be able to uh, protect themselves. I'm all for that. As you know, I'm all for that. Yeah, the whole demonic possession thing, uh, one of the most common, you know, you know, many horror movies have been made about it in books, you know. We got... You know, we got that that book that I, I still got to read, uh, Satan's Harvest, about the uh, the gentleman from Massachusetts and his, his you know his crazy father that was all into that uh, wild devil stuff that like sacrificed the kid's life over before like the, the kid was born or some some weird thing and just kind of gave the kid a bad bad life. Um, we got that possession. Of course, you have like The Exorcist, which is might might be the most well known, you know, possession type deal. What's your take on uh what's your take on possession? You know, you got it's almost it's like a brainwashing, you know what I mean? As as well as possessing. Very well, prominent. I, I think that uh a lot of time possession yeah uh, starts off with an attachment. Yeah. By that by that I mean a spirit or an entity is around you and it's looking for an opening it attaches to you uh when you're weak when you're um out of focus not focused on your life when you're angry it's looking for a way to try and find its way into you yeah to kind of slip in so that uh even without you knowing it um you've opened that door and you've created a space for it to come in when you've lost your path in life or when you're constantly angry or constantly depressed and you're opening a little door there where it can insert itself, its energy, into you. And that yeah. starts with, with an attachment, trying to uh, be around you all at a time and influence you to be a little bit more open to it by distracting you from your path in life. 
And I think that that's the first step to possession. Um, one form I think that's kind of more common than most people realize. You also have people who uh, foolishly volunteer to be possessed, thinking that they control it, can control it, mm-hmm. and that they can uh, stop it anytime they want. Uh, vacating the body of the spirit, so to speak, to let something else come through. Yeah. They're also under the idea that, uh, oh, what I'm calling in is, is not that bad, or I can control it, or, and they go through a whole bunch of things to justify it, and thinking that they have the power that once they've relinquished themselves or their identity, that they can get it back, which most often is not the case. Um, a classic thing for both, uh, I would say, attachment and uh, possession. If you go back, we did uh, looked at jinn extensively in one, is that mm-hmm. there are people that think they can bind a jinn to themselves or to an object to control it. Now, here you have an entity from another dimension that you're saying you can control. And supposedly there are good and bad. But they're also known as tricksters. So do you really know who you're inviting into your life or that you're going to attempt to control? And the same thing happens if you move on uh, from that into, let's say, Judeo-Christian background. When you're talking about uh, the devil, now you're talking about the ultimate trickster. Somebody who's going to deceive you and somebody who's going to make you think you have power and uh, is basically going to take yourself, your essence, out, use you, possess you, and you're a doorway into this world. And that's something which I think that uh, a lot of people don't realize the strength of the force behind that when you're dealing with these entities uh, from another world. Right. It's true. Judaism, while demons exist in the Jewish religion... They are seen as agents of God. Uh, in the Hebrew Bible, one of, one of the very few mentions of demons harassing mortals in the first book of Samuel, Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. There are a few mentions in other Judaic religion works, uh, with only one in the Mishnah, Both the Talmud and the Midrash mention demons, but though Kabbalists trace demonology throughout the Jewish holy books, little is mentioned of possession. In the 16th century, Isaac Luria, a Jewish mystic, wrote about the transmigration of souls seeking perfection. Uh, His disciples took his idea a step further, creating the idea of a daibuk, a soul inhabiting a victim until it had accomplished its task or atoned for its sin. The die book appears in Jewish folklore and literature as well as in Chronicles of Jewish Life. You know what I mean? We're getting a little bit into the de- the demon possession uh, uh, what you know of things. You know the, the the different religions take on the whole deal. Well, you also have. Um what, it, what that brings up is that it's not always people. Sometimes it's objects. You have the dive yeah. of box. And basically, when you get getting rid of or casting out the demon, you would put it into a box. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happens is there have been some on sale on the Internet. 
some uh, are fake uh, from the experiences that people relate. Uh, if the experiences are true, some are not. They do have an evil entity in there. Yeah. And uh, the role of the demon or the evil, sometimes if you're looking at possession until the job is done, it is also, whether it be attachment, full possession, is to get the person to carry out whatever evil purpose it has. If it doesn't need to possess, it doesn't. If it does, it just attaches. But it may be more effective to be able to go into the person and uh, that person becomes the deceiver. That person becomes the one that carries the evil out in the world. And that is by constantly wearing the person down, uh, attacking, getting them off their path, getting them to turn their back on any good, mm. on any beliefs that they have. Yeah. And they can use anger, they can use depression, whatever it is, but that is opening that door to be able to take control and possible possession of the person. And it happens with uh, objects, quite often when people use objects as a part of a ritual, whether it is, uh, we've seen stories about dolls who have the box, you have different things or places that become possessed. Um, when they're opening that portal and calling it in, the evil will use the most convenient thing. The most effective would be the person because it can carry on, but if not, then it will take whatever object it can, possibly at times as a stepping stone, so that when someone takes that object home, then it can tr work on and transfer it into that person and then possess that person. Hmm. So it's, it's a whole, it's a war going on basically against humanity and what people would call demons and evil. They're at odds with each other. Part of the reason is we do have a soul. We do have the possibility of enlightenment, um, connecting with God. We have a divine essence, and evil is looking to corrupt and destroy that because it is the absolute opposite of it. Yeah. So we're we're stuck on that battlefield, and if we're not careful, the enemy, which is a great deceiver, will sneak up and use tricky means to come in and not only influence us, but take us over or possess us if they can. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. It doesn't need, like, a like a living entity as the host that it can just jump within, you know, I items, you know, like boxes and whatever. That's an interesting take. You know, it's an interesting uh, element to it. I know one time some people who did not take it serious and um, they didn't take the consequences serious. Let me put it that way. They were yeah. very careful. Uh, someone volunteered to be a vehicle to let something through. They set up all of the so-called precautions with sacred symbols and did everything and called something through. And from my observation of that one... Mm -hmm. um, I think that was the first time I saw someone start to levitate on their own. And it was a nasty thing. Yeah. And it almost broke free of, free of the restraints. Fortunately, uh, through a combined effort of the people there, they're able to banish it again. But it took many years before that person was right. Hmm. Uh, many years before that person kind of got their mind and their soul back and who they were before that, trying that. And they never went back to it because they were... Uh, 
What went wrong? A little, a little shaken up, as everybody who witnessed it was. Can you walk us through what happened? Uh, what's it? Uh, without going into a lot of details, I don't no want to open any doors. No but, names. Yeah, uh, a circle had been set up. Sacred symbols had been set up, and an incantation to call what's what was supposed to be a lesser being mm-hmm. in to gain knowledge. And it turned out what they called in was a lot larger than that. Yeah. And the person who had been kneeling started to bend over, and they arched their back, and then they started to come off the floor. Oh. And there was a low growl. And they started to kind of twist around a little bit. At that point there, everybody chimed in right away with everything they had to banish it and to send it back. And fortunately, we were all successful. No one who witnessed that uh, was right for a while. Not only the person who was possessed, but everybody was shaken up for quite a while after that. Yeah, I'd say so. Crazy. and it's, uh, it's again, it's, we're in this physical world and we have the ability, whether it's meditations, prayer, etc., to connect with the divine in other worlds. And there are disciplines for healing, like Reiki and communication, like mediumship. And all of these things have protections mm-hmm. and they're all linked. And people will believe, for instance, in the power of Reiki and the healing and then they'll turn around and they'll be sloppy or joke about the power of evil. Evil. Yeah. Well, if it's if there's one, there's the other. There's daytime. There's nighttime. There's good. There's evil. And if you believe in a power of one, you have to give credit to and believe in a power of the other one, and how it can influence you just as much as the good can, and just as much as one can heal, one can destroy. Yeah. So you have to be very careful on that. I remember another instance where uh, someone volunteered to uh, be a vehicle, and um, it was almost classic in that the eyes rolled back, turned turned dark, and uh, started speaking differently. And someone there uh, did a very quick move. They had a metal cross and uh, touched them with it. Mm-hmm. They actually left the. They went back to normal, but there was a burn mark on the hand that lasted a long while. Hmm. It was kind of like, okay, that was the, you know, fast way to burnish, here, sizzle sort of thing. And the odd thing is it was kind of like, okay, now I know where they got the idea for those movies. Yeah, yeah. Because, because this, this played out just like one. This was many years ago, and it was kind of like, that was scary. That was, that, that was, that was kind of scary, but, when I was young, I didn't always do things uh, with the best intentions, and I wasn't always the brightest thing on the block, but I've lived my lesson in years. You've changed. You've come a long way, Ray. So when those eyes turn dark, the pupils or the whole eyes? And Are we talking a black or gray, or what, what, do you, what, are, we, what, what are we going with here? Uh, totally black eyes. Really? Interesting. I like that's a good look. That's a good look for the especially for the winter. Um, yeah, the black eyes is the creepiest eyes to do. I feel all those. Have you ever seen um, Devil? That the movie Devil about the elevator? Uh, no, I haven't seen that one. It's on my watch list. I won't spoil it for you. There's a really you know the movie's not that fantastic, but there's a really cool moment towards the end. Um, 
But yeah, black eyes are very nice, you know what I mean? And then you got, that's kind of has like with the black eyed kids too, right? What do you know? Are you familiar with them? Black eyed children? Uh, not much, no. I've heard of them. I haven't they're, checked them out to yeah, see what they are. Supposedly they're, uh, they're like black eyed. I haven't researched uh, any further than just, you know, what I've heard, but. I believe it's like some it's some teenage kids that show up in hoodies, and they have black eyes, and they're asking to come in the house or if, and, and you help them, and you're not supposed to open the door, uh, and if you do open the door, then they get you. But if you, you know, leave them out there, they just eventually go away. Sounds a little bit like. Uh... One of the rules for vampires, they have to be welcomed in. A little bit, yeah. What's your take on all these, like, kind of spin-off um, things, like black-eyed... Like, I don't think black-eyed children were a thing back when maybe... When you were a teenager, you know what I mean? Uh, like, it no. Could've, it could have been, they, but they, I don't... They weren't, a th- they weren't a thing then. What was very big back then, besides... Uh, well, if you take like movies, it was things. Actually, Exorcist. Why I was in my twenties, but yeah. even before that, you go back to the old uh, ceremonial black magic. It was black magic. It wasn't witchcraft. It wasn't Wicca, which is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the dark side was black magic. Uh, they had a book out there that most people used pretty much as their Bible for it. Forgive me for saying Bible and black magic, but it was yeah. called the Book of Ceremonial Black Magic. And if you could get your hands on it, it is what you use to summon and, and to control and to curse. Mm-hmm. And it was some pretty heavy stuff in there. And I'll make a confession. I had a copy of the book. Oh, no. Ray, why? Why would you have that? I also had a grimoire, which is a personal log of all your spells, too. I took a little walk in the shady, dark area for a while when I was uh, young. I know you've told me that. I guess the interest in it, you know. From what I hear, my grandfather had a bunch of weird books towards the end about, uh, you know, different religions and philosophies and such. But, yeah, that's kind of your that's your world, though, so I, I, it makes sense that you would have it, you know what I mean? Do you still have that stuff, or did you get rid of it? Uh, it's all long gone. Destroyed it. I didn't give it away or anything like that. I destroyed them. What do you think of a person that would just like go drop that off in the Savers parking lot? Um. Okay. Not too much. Or they just <laughs> don't take it serious. For yeah. me, it's better. Um, it's back at that time. Right. Um. If you're looking at certain holidays, uh, where they now use fireworks, like the Fourth of July here in the U.S. Um, they also used to have bonfires. And when they're setting up the bonfire with all the wood and stuff, you can uh, slip in all the other stuff like that you want to get rid of mm-hmm. and burn it all off. Though it's better in a small private fire and you save a few prayers so that any evil attached to it is uh, contained within it. Right. But just get rid, get rid of it any way you can that no one else will be able to get a hold of it. Back when you were a bad boy, would you uh, did you do any like Halloween rituals? Uh, no, Halloween was mostly Wiccan. Okay, so I didn't do I didn't do uh, Halloween rituals. If you're talking about rituals, you were you would have talked strictly about the black magic, mm-hmm. the darker side, um, uh, the demonic. Yeah, 
as a reckless, uh, ill-informed kid. We all were at that age. Don't be hard on yourself, right? It'll be alright, man. So, uh, you know, we got these things called possessions that we're dealing with here. Luckily, we're not dealing with them personally, but people all around the world are, you know. I think most made famous by the Exorcist film. Is that what we're going to go with? I'd say, yeah, that was that was the biggie on bringing it out to people. I also think it did it very well uh, for the time. It may look a little dated now, but the whole story about it and the story about the possession, I think they presented it very well. I love it to this day. Now, now you being a little older than me, do you remember when that moved, like the impact that had when it came out? Uh, yeah, I remember when it came out. I remember going to see it in a theater. Mm. I remember the person I saw it with didn't like it. It scared them. Um, I thought it was cool. Yeah. Were you in, were you dark ray at that point? Yeah, I was dark at that point. <laughs> so I, I thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Um, the Exorcist was the first movie I ever heard to like really shake people up. I think I heard. I think somebody threw up. Like, while watching it, it was too much for him. And when I watched that movie as, like, a teenager in, like, maybe early 2000s, late 90s or so, I remember that really shook me up. And that, and I was, like, already accustomed to some, to some crazy stuff, you know what I mean? I could only imagine, what, like, a little old lady going into The Exorcist. Imagine somebody saying it was, like, a religious movie because it had the devil in it. It was like that. And uh, some little old religious lady going to see that, I could see her, like, dying in the theater from that, you know what I mean? Like, just being, like, being hit with it and just being, like, dizzy and uh, throwing up and being so discombobulated that she can't even find her way to the exit in the theater. Um, I could definitely see that, and that's one of those movies that had that effect. Well, I can see that, uh, to me, part of the effectiveness was it wasn't all about gore. Yeah. It, present, it presented evil effectively and how mm-hmm. evil attacked good and how difficult it was to get rid of evil. Yeah. And I think that that was really why, where it was effective, and that struck the chord in people that upset them. Leo's attention, it was going after a kid that people liked, you know. Oh, funny. yeah. You, know, you want to get to somebody, go after the kid. That's it. Works in every movie. Terrorist tactic. Uh, we do not negotiate with terrorists here, mostly ghostly. We also don't negotiate with demons or evil entities either. They're the terrorists that mostly ghostly, yeah. Oh, yeah, same thing. That should be a t-shirt. Demons or terrorists at mostly ghostly world. We don't, we don't negotiate with terrorists. William Friedkin, who directed Exorcist, you know, it was it's just he he did like he had like a real element to it that he got by doing shooting, you know, like a lot of those hospital scenes were shot very documentary style to give you the feel of real life, you know. So I think it, it I think, you know, that mix, mixing that into like making you like, you know, Regan there, and. uh you know, then adding in that element of uh, 
Because I tell you, there is no gore. You're dead on with that. But what it does have is, like, there's certain elements of creepiness, like, you know, there's the Captain Howdy flash shot when they're when they're going through, um, you know, the kitchen when the lights turn off and they have that painted up kind of ghoul in the in the kitchen. Do you remember that? Do you remember seeing that? Uh, no, I don't remember that. I know um, I got the direct, the extended director's cut. Yeah. Um, it's in there. It's in, it's in I, all the cuts, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to pull that out. I'd have to pull that out and watch it. And another thing, the other another thing I'll say about The Exorcist and how effective and scary it is is the you know in, in the lack of gore and just the the cr- like creativity and filmmaking is there's a scene where she's in the attic and she's like got a, she's got a candle or something like that and for whatever reason the flame gets really big at one point and it's it's it, it, it's like a jump scare with fl- with the fire but it's just as effective as if you slammed down the piano keys and went, like, right in you. Like, did you, I remember the first couple times I seen that, that scene played out for me. I, uh, when that, when that, when the fire jumped and it, like, just in that, in that dark attic, it was like, woo, got me going. Classic. I love The Exorcist. But, uh, what do you think about, uh, you know, the fact that all these movies glamorized this do you think that that's a bad thing um yeah i do i realize it is the sell the film and that's why they do it we'll just have yeah i yeah yeah, i I think you know they're trying to sell the film and they're trying to make it uh really throw it in your face really get a shock effect and i don't i don't think they realize how much they're glamorizing it how much they're building it up to people taking the wrong way to become interested uh-huh. And not just frightened. Well, then you'd, ha- you'd have to take the argument that making the movie in general is just a bad idea. Not not just how they push it. I would tend to say if you take something like The Exorcist, yeah. that, that didn't glamorize it. That scared you. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, so it's, it, that kind of does it, what you want it to do. Yeah. Same thing with Rosemary's Baby. That didn't glamorize anything. That just scared you. True. Rosemary's Baby. That's kind of like a... um, Rosemary's Baby is kind of a weird possession type deal where like the... You know, it's not a possession of the baby. It's the Antichrist deal. You know, the the devil to be reborn. The devil's baby. (coughs) Brought into the world to wreak havoc. You know? Yeah. Another classic. Matter, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I got that one in my queue also ready to play again. I was going over it with uh, my wife and she's going, no, nah, I'll skip it. I've seen that before. Okay, I'll wait till you're asleep. Great. <laughs> it's got a great soundtrack too, if I remember correctly. The, um, yeah, I think I, I think I have the criteria. I have the red old DVD, and I have a Criterion Collection one. They put out a cool uh, version of it. The artwork was very nice. But yeah, so we got we've talked a little bit about possession here. Let me wrap. We'll finish this up with the, what other people kind of feel about possession. You got Christianity. Um, 
you know, from its beginning, Christianity has held that possession derives from the devil uh, his, and his lesser demons, uh, the fallen angels. And the battle between Satan and heaven, one of Satan's strategies is to possess humans. The New Testament mentions several episodes in which Jesus drove out demons from per people. Um, yeah, is that that's not one of the big ones they talk about, is it? When they talk about all the all the, they don't talk about driving out demons too much. They do water into wine and walking on water and all that, but they don't really talk that much about the uh, demon thing, right? Uh, not too much. I think that might be because um, scare they're so people? effective at doing it. They don't want to scare people? Well, not not necessarily scare people. Is that once you show your power and it's effective, you don't need to really do it again. Well, there's a real element to religion that could scare people. You know what I mean? Like, they could, with all the demon stuff and all that, they could spin something that could be horrifying. You know, like a real fear tactic. Um, I'm surprised they don't. I wonder why they don't. They don't bring up the old demons as much as I mean. They're in their beliefs. You know what I mean. They believe in them, but they don't. Well, talk it's supposed it's supposed to be um, the Christian gospels is supposed to be about love, right? And so when the demons show up, they're cast out, and then you get back to the theme again, mm -hmm. which is which is love. Yeah. I mean, you take some other religions, if you go to Islam and you go to jinn, they still take that very serious. Mm -hmm. um, if they think someone is possessed by a jinn, to this day, they will shackle them outside a building and leave them there. Yeah, I remember you said that. Usually to, usually to die. That's a tough card right there. So it's, it's whereas the church, the church and various institutions in Christianity overall, don't recognize possession that much. You've got to prove it. They lean towards uh, more of the psychological problems. Yeah. And saying it is that. And when, you, when you're talking about possession, if you are talking about levitation, moving objects, starting fires, um, a host of different things, then, then you've got some evidence that goes beyond just somebody whose mind is... is messed up, whether it's their fault, drugs or not, whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. It's not a psychological condition when you have physical manifestations, when you can actually see things happening. And that's a very strict uh, guideline, but I agree with that, because there's too much going on in the world. If you take the world right now and all the stresses and everything that's going out there and everybody getting into the, their own little clan and accusing the other one of this and of that and all these groups battling it out, mm -hmm. a lot of ugliness is coming up. Now, there's two sides to that. One is um, it's a survival thing. You tend to hang around or agree with with people who agree with you for protection when you feel threatened. The other side of that is a little dark. Not to say that uh, going to battle with someone isn't dark in, in and of itself. Yeah. But if you're looking at evil, and you're looking at it influencing society and influencing people, it's very easy to say, and I believe it's justified, to say there are evil forces influencing what's going on. Mm -hmm. 
whether it's the individual to become violent, to say something, to do something, and that person, or possession, to get a group of people together to do something and follow a path that doesn't follow light, doesn't follow love, um, betrays humanity. Those things are out there, and they're preying on people now with all of this negative energy, and we're giving it more energy. We're giving it, we're feeding it with all of the anger that's in the world. And that's opening up the door for more evil to come through, more attachments, and more possessions. Yeah. That's interesting, you know. You got, it's, you know, when people become, when like Christians become and Catholics, I think, do it as well, in the spirit. And it, it, it's almost like their, it's like their own possession, but like in a positive way. You know what I mean? Where like the, the, the love of God and I think like the power of God, the light of God is in them. And that's when you see the people dancing and speaking in tongues uh, and doing stuff like that. So, like, there's definitely, there's always a yin and a yang to everything, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. And the power of spirit is there whether we realize it or not. Yeah. Um, and it always has been there. In a previous episode, uh, we talked about... Uh, when I went out to Ohio and did an investigation, mm-hmm. and on the obvious, Legion came up after saying you're at risk, and then it said Legion, which if you go back to Mark 6, when they asked the demon, what is what is your name? It says Legion, for we are many. Yeah. Well, you know, that's over 2,000 years ago that demon popped up and made itself known and got cast out. Mm-hmm. Well, I used the same scripture to cast it out again. And nothing happened to me. So that power of good, that power of spirit, that power of God, to use that name, is still there. It's just that we've turned our back on that power. And we've allowed evil to come into society and ourselves. And unfortunately, with some people, that again leads back to possession. Mm. Creepy. Creepy darkness. It's too dark. Now, you, 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 did you deal with any, um, in your travels, have you dealt with possession straight on, hand-to-hand combat? Um, except for those instances I spoke of earlier, no. Okay. That's been a long while since, uh, well, except for that one thing investigating, uh, which wasn't really possession, but, uh, no, I haven't done that. I will say that what you will often have... Mm-hmm is that some people who are continually trying to align themselves with a higher calling, so to speak, uh, with love, and may involve themselves, and it doesn't matter their faith, but it might be uh, scriptures or to um, counteract the evil that's out there, they get attacked a lot. They have a lot of things thrown in their way to stop them on their path, uh, to disrupt their life. Because yeah. evil doesn't want that. Evil wants control. It wants control of everything. And it does not like anyone who's going in the opposite direction. Of course, you know. Well, you gotta shoot them up. You also have to be take a look at and it's not really possession, but if you're going to walk a certain path, you have to exercise those demons you have in you, that anger, the negative. 
and get rid of that because those are the things that open the door for an attachment and eventually for possession. So you have to constantly work on getting rid of that Mm -hmm. so that you don't have a door for anything to get into you. Well, we got the Catholics, what they believe, Catholic exorcists uh, differentiate between ordinary, satanic, and demonic activity or influence, mundane, everyday temptations, uh, and extraordinary satanic, demonic activity, which can take six different forms, ranging from complete control by Satan or some demons to voluntary submission. And those are, one, possession, in which Satan can, Satan or some demons can take full possession of a person's body without their consent. But it's usually because the person did something that caused it to happen. Now we've talked about that before too, where like someone's being, doing bad things and opens himself up to you know, bad, you know, a bigger bad thing to come on through, right? Oh, yeah. It's definitely. It it, it, it kind of snowballs. Um, you start with something small, and then you keep going, but you're opening that door more and more, and you're shutting yourself off more and more to the good that's around you. Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're making yourself very vulnerable. Yeah, I agree. Uh, obsession which includes sudden attacks on irrationally obsessive thoughts, usually culminating in suicidal ideation, and which typically influences dreams. That's an interesting one right there. It's kind of, that's, that's where it's out. It's just, it's definitely out to get you, to kill you off, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That seems more sin- oh. sinister in a way. Uh, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> feeds that. Obsession. It feeds it so that you go farther and farther and deeper and deeper. Lures you in. Yeah. That sounds like madness, like just driving you insane type deal, you know what I mean? Well, if you have any good in you and you're going to fight evil and it can't take you over, maybe it can drive you crazy either to take you over or take you out of commission. Yeah. Next up, we got oppression, which is a big one, you know, in which there is no loss of consciousness or involuntary action, such as in the biblical book of Job, in which uh, Job was tormented by a series of misfortunes in business, material possessions, family, and health. So, yeah, that one, you know, to be held down, you know what I mean, in life, uh, definitely, uh... That's tough, you know what I mean. And, and you know, you meet people all the time that swear that that they're 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 you know cursed because they're being you know nothing they can do works out for them and everything you know every attempt is fouled. You know what I mean. So you, I mean, you know those types. Yeah, be, evil beats you up so you give up, and then it has its end. Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Number four, external physical pain caused by Satan or some demons. Uh, Yes, you you believe in the physical pain? They're bringing physical pain on you? On someone? Um, Yes, I believe. And that can begin... The physical pain can start actually long before possession. 
it starts when there's a strong attachment. Mm. And it's a part of a way of breaking you down so they can possess you. You think it's just the heaviness of that negative energy that f- takes the physical effect? How do you think you get the physical effect out of that? Um, the negative energy, which yeah. starts to destroy the body system. Yeah. And the way the body functions to give you the pain. It might be any, it might be anything, um, any sort of disease or just tiredness, exhaustion. Um, it starts to weaken the body so that you do become sick. You be, do become susceptible. Yeah. And if we're, um, if we're going back to the obsession stuff with the mind, you know, all you gotta do is kind of tick off the mind and, you know, everything else will follow with, you know, you, you start, you all depressed, you got to start slunching, sl- I mean, slumping, you got a slump to you, now you get, you get back pains, and you, you mess up your back, every, that throw, starts to throw off everything, you know what I mean, it's all, uh, it's all, it's all connected, you know what I mean? Well, the depression, it can, uh, let's say someone, you know, leads a pretty healthy lifestyle, they eat fairly well, and they kind of exercise, then they, Oh, they start skipping their diet, yeah, they don't exercise, right. um, to get out of the depression, maybe they turn around and decide to use drugs or alcohol, so it's kind of like, break you down from that positive life to bring you into a negative one where you're open and you're susceptible. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be careful, you gotta be careful for sure. Uh, number five, infestation, which affects houses, objects, things, or animals. Um, yeah, we talked about them earlier, you know, how it doesn't have to be a living, breathing thing to be able to, you don't have to have electricity coming from it. Just could be an old wooden box, Not you know, it doesn't matter. That they can kind of, uh, you know, take take over, you know, can host their madness. Well, when you're in the proximity of evil, let's say it has taken over an object. It could yeah. be a statue, a box, uh, a room in a house. It's infested. Uh, when you're in that close proximity, you're almost susceptible to it. Yeah. Because it's constantly there. It's going to be wearing away at you. It's going to be eating away at you um, through that uh, object that uh, you have in your living space. Or yeah. maybe that even you carry with you. True. Uh, so, yeah, you're, you're setting yourself up by putting yourself close to something which has that evil in it. You should basically not only physically keep a distance, mentally keep a distance and keeping that out of your mind, and spiritually keep a distance, whether it be prayer or meditation, so that you're centered and outwardly directed and not open for something to come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, subjection is number six, in which a person voluntarily submits to Satan or some demons. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, uh, but that happens. As yeah, well. we we spoke a little bit about that and some of the things that I've seen, and it's un- it is unfortunate that some people are naive enough to think that uh, they can handle that; nothing will happen to them. Uh, the other thing is that there are people that are so centered in the world and whether it is money or power that they actually trust evil when it deceptively offers to give them that mm-hmm. and once they begin to get it then uh, they lose control and evil takes over and uses them for what it wants 
Yeah. It's true. In the Roman ritual, true demonic and satanic possession has been characterized since the Middle Ages by the following four typical characteristics. One, manifestation of superhuman strength. Uh, I think you told us a story, in one of the stories you told us, if not today, then in a previous episode, I think you told us about uh, someone being possessed having superhuman strength. Uh, the superhuman strength you have to take a little bit carefully, but yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say a little bit carefully because under threat, the adrenaline can make you do things that normally you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but believe me, your muscles will ache afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I pulled a lot of muscles doing that, but I, you know, the old story about how someone lifted a car to get it off a child. Well, yeah. they, maybe they were able to lift the car. They never follow up with the next day. They're lying in bed in pain. I know. But they did save a life. But superhuman strength, yeah, it's uh, the energy and the power is coming from somewhere else and it's coming from a dark place. My uncle has a funny story uh, where he said when he was younger, a party animal, that he jumped out of, I think it was a third third story window, and um, landed on his feet, and he said he walked home, and everybody was like, oh man, I can't believe you did that, but when he woke up the next day, he like couldn't get out of bed, he was all fucked up, (laughs) so like, yeah, you know, that, that, that what you just said reminded me of that, so I had to bring it up. I had well, to, I, yeah. I jumped out. I jumped out of a, a window like that in in my youth. But the difference was, um, I was in college. I was in a dorm. Yeah, the college was in a snow belt. Um, there were drifts, oh, at least ten feet high outside, mm-hmm. and uh, we decided to jump out of the upper windows into the giant drifts. So we didn't really get hurt because the snow broke the fall. Yeah, we all, we almost died getting stuck in the snow <laughs> yeah. and having being un, unable to dig ourselves out. That was a different story, oh, but that yeah, that that was just a foolish college prank. It could have all ended very wrong, very bad. Yeah, we were lucky. We were stupid but lucky. You know, the best way to grow up: stupid but lucky. Um, next up would be speaking in tongues or languages that the victim cannot know. That's always one that I, that I always take note of, you know, like we said, when they, te- when they speak like reverse Latin and it actually is reverse Latin, you know what I mean? It's like, who the hell would know that? You know what I mean? Well, I agree. As a matter of fact, if someone has never come across Latin and it's not even reverse, how the hell would they know that? Agreed. So- the bigger trick is now you've reversed it. Oh, you're good, and you're something I'm going to run away from. You're showing off, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you showed off, but you showed me your colors. I'm going to throw a few uh, prayers your way, and I'm going the other way. They show off, and Ray runs off. That's how it works. Well, like I said, I'm going to throw a few prayers right back at them to uh, kind of nullify that, but I'm not going to hang around either. Does it have the impact of a, a gun or a bow and arrow? What do you think? Um, okay, a lot of that believes, and I, got, I had a conversation with somebody uh, recently about this. Yeah. Um, that it depends upon how well you really believe and know the power of the prayer. Mm. And the example I gave is, 
you know, like we're sitting here, suppose a demon appeared in the other room. Do you feel confident that if you threw something at it, that it would leave? Even though you'd be terrified, you'd be scared, do you still have that core belief strong enough that you would not flinch and you'd throw it at it knowing it's going to leave? Well, I honestly, and yeah. I, what I, what I say is if, if you take, for example, on that investigation when Legion came up, um, and if something did, did appear outside of that, um, the prayers I chose to banish it, they have worked for 2,000 years. Yeah. It's kind of like you lost the first time, you've lost every time in between, and guess what? I'm bringing this same thing up again because you're losing now. You are weak against this power. But you have to know the power. You have to believe in the power. It has to be part of you to be able to throw it out there and dispel something. Mm-hmm. If you have that in you, you can knock back anything. It's not a, it's not a gun. It's not a uh, uh, bow and arrow. It's more like hitting them with a nuke. It just gets rid of them. Well, when you said the thing about throwing something at it and, and believing, it's like the... Like me personally, I don't think I, I I don't believe that throwing something at it would do anything. I think more like saying something would do. Something. Oh, when I, well, when I say throw something at him, I'm saying you, throwing a prayer, okay. a banishment. All that's right. that's what I mean, and you have to know that that those words that you are saying, yeah, they carry the power because that power is working through you, and those words to banish what's coming at you and you have to know that if you do it hoping it may not work the words themselves may lessen it they may have a certain effect but if you really know then whatever is there is going to be banished and even if you want the holiest of thou people even knowing that 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 what you're speaking is greater than you i think is is enough right what do you think what do you think on that uh, that's, that's the key because I know I'm not the holiest person around. Yeah. But, uh, in my meditations and in my prayers, I admit that. Mm-hmm. And I always ask, let's say it's a healing, um, or wherever I'm doing or praying for, which is usually for others, not myself, is I admit my flaws. But I ask only to be the vessel that the healing or the good can go through. That's all. Look beyond my flaws, go beyond my imperfections, and let that healing, let that energy, let that love from the source flow through me. And Because that is the ultimate. It's not me. It's the ultimate. Use me to get rid of what's out there. That's bad. I just want to say that that's bad. That could have came off bad if anybody heard it. That could have made, made you, you thought you were going to terminate people. Uh, no, I mean it, it's basically. I mean, you get that demon up there, and it that comes. It's I'm not casting out the demon. I may use the words, but I know where the words come from, and I know where the power comes from. And it's not the oh, yeah, imperfect yeah, yeah. person saying them here. It's beyond that, but I know that power to be true. So I will cast that demon out by saying those words and relying on the greater good 
mm-hmm. relying on the divine to use me to get rid of that demon. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I'd go with uh, number three, which would be revelation of knowledge. Distant or hidden that the victim cannot know. So that kind of goes into the speaking in tongues and the whole, you know, backwards Latin thing where you're saying stuff that you shouldn't know. You know what I mean? There's no reason you should have any knowledge of this. Yeah, I, I agree. Where did that knowledge come from? How did it get there? And if there is no way, then it comes from another source. And unless that source is obviously doing good and helping people, then it's evil. Yeah, this is one of those when 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 a stranger walks up to you and tell you that you know, on your fourth birthday you were bummed out because you didn't get blah 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 toy, but you did get this toy, and uh, you know Johnny, your buddy that got it for you. It's unfortunate that he passed away a couple years later, and you're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something like that. Um, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, a situation of, uh, you've seen, um, Needful Things? Yes. Now, the end of that movie comes to mind with this, because it's it's such a great ending. A good movie. I like the movie a lot, you know, it's it's a a fun watch. It's not, it's, it's a horror film. It's not quite blood and guts, but... Um, creepy elements, you know what I mean? Uh, I think one of, one of, one of, probably top ten Stephen King movies. Um, but, uh, there's the end when the dude is talking to him about how, like, he'll, he'll see his, his grandson or something like that in the future. And he, he tells him, like, what day it's gonna be and stuff. Like, that gave, that gives me the chills just to think about. Cause it's, it's such an effective, creepy thing to say in a moment like that um which it's kind of letting you know exactly who this character is at that point i feel um but yeah so it's it's, you know knowledge and stuff like that you know you know what i mean and says hey you know yeah i know if someone says something something like that to me i'd turn around and say who are you because i'm I'm just not going to accept it I'm going to try and call it out right there. If somebody came up to you and just randomly told you, like, big facts about, like, something that only, that, that was dead on, 120% accurate, and only you and whoever was at, at this birthday party of yours would know, um, you'd, you'd, be, you'd still be skeptic about that? To want to know what the fuck's going, like, uh, who you are, man? And he says it's you, and he pulls off a mask, it's an older you. Well, if it's an old, if it's an older me, I'd say, okay, now let's sit down and talk. Uh, but I want to know who and why. I'm not going to just accept it because I don't accept something else. And in this case, um, if you're talking about needful things and evil identity, I don't accept something else taking over my future, my life, or my events. Right. They may have knowledge of me, and. My mistrust is that why are you trying to use me or manipulate me now? So who are you and what's your game? That's a weird situation. I might have to build the movie off of that. That's a weird scenario. 
But uh, yeah, you got to be careful of stuff like that. You know, next up would be blasphemous rage, uh, obscene hand gestures, using profanity like I guess the middle fingers, and uh, aversion to holy symbols and names, relics, or places. So I well like giving a, a a crucifix a middle finger or something like that is that's what I gather from that but that kind of seems uh, yeah I mean well I mean it could be anything it could be you know defile any defouling of any artifacts of religion or uh, of of purity of innocence oh uh, yeah defiling a religious act a uh, religious icon or some image um, using those images and let's say a satanic ritual yeah but like an inverted cross or destroying them to try and show that you have power over uh it's the use of both the images and the language corrupting it Mm. and using it that way uh kind of uh shows that there's something there that's not quite right that's evil yeah Yeah, yeah, it's all bad, all negative stuff here. Uh, the New Catholic Encyclopedia states that uh, ecclesiastical authorities are reluctant to admit diabolical possession in most cases because many can be explained by a physical or mental illness alone. Therefore, medical and psychological ex- examinations are necessary. Uh, Necessary before the performance of major exorcism. The standard that must be met is that the moral certitude uh, for an exorcist to be morally certain or beyond reasonable doubt that he is dealing, in fact, with a genuine case of demonic possession. There must be no other reasonable explanation for the phenomena in question. The New Testament uh, the Holy Bi- in the Holy Bible indicates that people can be possessed by demons, but that the demons respond and submit to Jesus Christ's authority. Uh, in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. This is out of the Bible right here. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out uh, at, at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. That's Luke 4:33 through 35. Um, so he kind of got, he kind of blew up off of the taking out the demons. You know, like we said before, they don't really talk too much about that demon thing. But it sounds like uh, casting out demons were almost his bread and butter for a little bit here. What's your thoughts? Um, I think that. The few times it did happen yeah. did reinforce or show his authority over evil and demons. Mm-hmm. And it it didn't have to be repeated many times. Uh, it just 
put it out there, and the people at the time knew what was going on and knew where that authority came from. Yeah. So they they recognized it, and that was that was enough. Ozzy Osbourne only had to bite the head off a of bat once, so I'm with you on that. Legend carries uh, on, onward, onward, son. Well, I don't think he'd be biting the head off many bats nowadays. He's by yeah, he's in trouble nowadays, I hear, but he'll be okay. It also indicates that demons can possess animals, as in the exorcism of the Gerasene demoniac. Official Catholic doctrine affirms that demonic possession can occur as a distinguished from mental illness, but stresses that cases of mental illness should not be misdiagnosed as demonic influence. Catholic exorcisms can occur only under the authority of a bishop, and in an accordance to strict rules, a simple exorcism also uh, occurs during baptism. Uh, did you know about that? That that, that a, a, an exorcism is that during baptism? Is that all baptisms? Or um, I wasn't aware of that. I would think that the wording of it is basically um, well. Protection no, I wasn't. I wasn't aware aware of that. I know in the baptism at that point there, the godparents speak for the child yeah. and that that makes the child holy um, the thing that I see different is that if you take a look in the Old Testament all souls come from heaven I think it's called the hall, the uh, the gulf the hall of souls yeah. and they come down to earth so that the Catholic idea of uh, original sin is that the person is born in sin and if you're born in sin then there's evil in you and the baptism by committing this person to uh, a life and protection under God would, by that na its nature in the water, uh, cleanse them and cleanse any demons in there. I know that um, when a teenager, a Catholic, goes through confirmation, and that is where um, they reinforce or they say it's like a second baptism basically they take their responsibility over for their life as a Christian it's like a born again thing right um yeah it's it's kind of like you're old you're old enough now so now you take responsibility for your life it's where you become an adult um I know that we used to joke about it um oh. having been brought up Catholic uh, we used to call it slap and go because you get that little slap in the face. Yeah. So we we called it slap and go. Oh, you mean confirmation? Yeah. Uh, we we kind of joked a little bit about it in that way, but uh, yeah, it's becoming an adult and taking over the responsibility for your path you're going to walk, following Jesus. Following Jesus, baby. Um. We also have Protestants, you know. The literal view of a demonic possession is held by a number of Christian demo, uh, de denominations in both charismatic and ev evangelical Christianity. Exorcisms of demons are often carried out by individuals and groups known as deliverance ministries. Symp uh, symptoms of such possessions, according to these groups, can include chronic fatigue syndrome, homosexuality, addiction to pornography and alcoholism. The New Testament's description of people who 
had a, ha, who had evil spirits includes uh, a knowledge of future events and great strength, uh, among others, and shows that those evil spirits can speak with Christ. It's an interesting one. It's interesting. Uh, what I disagree with a little bit is yeah. that, um, okay, if we go back to something we've spoken about before, which is mediumship. Yeah. And people will say, well, the Old Testament prohibits it. But I think it was Saul consulted a medium. I think it was Saul, um, um, yeah, in the Old Testament, uh, actually consulted a medium. But if you have a gift, no matter what that gift is, and you can use that gift for good, yeah, and that is what you actually do, then that is a gift from God, mm. a, a gift you have been given to help people. So I don't see how that's demonic when what you are doing is, for instance, in mediumship, I encountered a lot of people where they were upset and the messages and the things that came through gave them some peace. They felt encouraged that we go on. They looked at their life a little bit differently now. Um, they didn't become demonic. If anything, they became a little bit more spiritual and a little bit more at peace with them, with themselves and the passing of relatives. That's a gift that gives comfort. And if we have a divine source, mm -hmm. it's a divine gift, and you share it in a positive way, I don't see that as uh, being ne negative or demonic. Yeah. Uh, the may maybe some people masquerade as that, manipulate it, but I don't see the, the gift itself being that way. Yeah. Uh, in medieval Great Britain, the Christian Church had offered suggestions on safeguarding one's home. Suggestions range from dousing a household with holy water placing wax and herbs on thresholds to ward off witches' occult uh, and avoid certain areas of townships known to be frequented by witches and devil worshippers after dark. Afflicted persons were restricted from entering the church but might share the shelter of the porch with lepers uh, and persons of offensive life, uh, which, you know, could have been a race thing back then. Uh, after the prayers, if quiet, they might come in to receive the bishop's blessing and listen to the sermon. They were uh, daily fed and prayed over by the exorcists. And in the case of recovery, after a, a fast of from 20 to 40 days, were admitted to the uh, Eucharist and their names uh, and cures entered in the church records. In 1603, the Church of England forbade its clergy from performing a uh, case of recovery after a fast, uh, wait a second, uh, uh, prevent, uh, for, forbade, forbade its clergy from performing exorcisms because of a numerous fraudulent cases of demonic possession. That's how the Protestants get down. They're out to get the, all those devil worshippers and witches are out to get everybody. You know? Well, if you're talking about medieval times, there was a lot of fear at that time. Yeah. Um, you combine fear with a lot of people in authority, and unfortunately that might be churches or, or clergy who are trying to control people 
you will live in a society that had kings and servants and indentured people and slaves. So, uh, unfortunately, the politics of control became involved a bit with uh, religious teachings or church attitudes at the time. And that's a very sad phase. I mean, you talk about things like the Inquisition and you talk about witch hunt and then you go back. So the whole idea of blaming uh, anything that went wrong uh, on the devil was very common. Yeah. And uh, all you had to do is if there were people that economically or socially were different, you cast them in, a, in the same lot with the devil and that gave you an excuse for putting them down or using them. Truth. Yeah, you know, same old song and dance. That's been happening uh, forever, as long as time. Uh, next up, we got Islam. Various types of creatures, such as you know, our old, what we've talked about many times, the jinn, uh, shayatin, afarat, and ra, found within Islamic culture, are often held to the responsible, uh, held responsible. Um, for demonic possession. Usually Iblis, the leader of evil spirits, only tempts humans into sin by following their lower desires. Uh, though not directly attested in the Quran, the notion of jinn possessing humans is widespread among Muslims and also accepted by uh, most Islamic scholars. There are various reasons given as to why jinn might seek to possess an individual, such as falling in love with them, taking revenge for hurting them or their relatives, or other undefined reasons. Since jinn are not necessarily evil, they are distinguished from cultural concepts of possession by devils and demons. In contrast, the shayatin are inherently evil. Hadiths suggest that the demons and devils whisper from within the human body, within or next to the heart. Devilish whisperings um, are thought of as kind of possession. You know? Well, I, I had always understood that Shaitin were uh, part of the jinn. They were those that... Um, liked mankind some even tried to help it and there were those that wanted to bring them down yeah but i'm i'm not sure on that but that's what i seem to recall so you got the evil ones and you got the not necessarily bad ones yeah um i remember i remember when we did our gen episode talking about that yeah that they're not all you know they might not all be bad but you gotta be cautious because the, the bad ones are really bad they're really bad, Ray. Well, you know, they fit, on, they fit right in with the uh, evil being the trickster. It's not, uh, and we've said it before, it's not going to come at you as uh, something horrible. It's going to come at you as everything you really want. Yeah. To try and trick you into doing what it wants, even if it has to take over you or possess you. Well, that is the job of a trickster. Am I right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Indeed. Uh, we got Buddha, Buddhism. Uh, the Buddhist, their outlook on this whole situation is, uh, in Buddhism, a demon can either be a being, a being suffering in the hell realm, or it could be a delusion. Before 
Sadahartha became Guadama Buddha. He was challenged by Mara, the embodiment of temptation, and overcame it. In traditional Buddhism, four metaphorical forms of Mara are given. Kiza Mara, or Mara as the embodiment of all unskillful emotions, such as greed, hate, and delusion. The demons of delusion uh, in wholesome states. Uh, Madra Mara, or Mara as death, uh, the demons of the Lord of Death. Skandamara, or Mara as metaphor for the in- entirety of conditioned existence, the demons of contaminated aggregates. And Defaputra Mara, the deva of the sensuous realm who tries to prevent Gautama Buddha from attaining liberation from the cycle of rebirth. On the night of the Buddha's enlightenment, the demons of sons of Deva God's desire and temptation. It is believed that the demon will depart to a different realm once uh, the demon is appeased. You know, yet other in other religions, you know, in many of the diasporic traditional African religions, possessing demons are not necessarily harmful or evil, but are rather seeking to rebuke misconduct in the living. As Pentecostal and charismatic Christian sects move into both African and oceanic areas, a merger of belief can take place. Demons can be representative of the old indigenous religions which the Christian ministers work to exercise. So, yeah. Well, there you have politics and and religion coming in again. What you don't understand and what's different automatically becomes evil because it contradicts what uh, you have to say or what you're preaching. So if there's any good there, um, you overlook it and just cast it into the pit as evil. Um, as far as Buddhism goes, I know that in Nepal, and there's a book, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, uh, I think it's called the Bartok Todo, which yeah. uh, is 45-day ritual for death. And when you die in a book, they pray over you for 45 days, but the first thing you do is you see your true self, when your true self is that image of light and peace and love and then you're shown your life yeah. and wherever there is like greed and there's desire and there's all these things that root you to earth these present themselves as demons they present themselves as evil and when you're alive you're giving energy to these negative emotions you're giving energy to these uh, behaviors that ground you in the earth and they become your personal demons. And enough energy is given to them, they can become an entity. Or you can open that door again to an entity from another dimension. Um, demon's kind of a broad name, but it's also used in a lot of India as well, that you can actually draw these evil things in by giving your energy to it. So things like lust and things like greed are considered... Uh, evil because they stand in the way of your enlightenment and you're reaching your, your true divine self. Truth. Yeah, 
they also have a little thing on here and there that what they think their medical explanation of a possession is. I want to get your take on this. Um, those who profess a belief in demonic possession, also referred to as a possessive trance disorder, have sometimes ascribed to possession the symptoms associated with physical or mental illness, such as hysteria, Tourette syndrome, epilepsy, schizophrenia, conversion disorder, or uh, disassociative identity disorder. In its article on Disassociative Identity Disorder, the DSM-5 states possession form identities in a disassociative identity disorder typically manifest as behaviors that appear as if a spirit, a supernatural being, or outside person has taken control such uh, that the individual begins speaking or acting in a distinctively different manner. It is not uncommon to ascribe that the experience of sleep paralysis to de- demonic possession, although it's not a physical or mental illness. The symptoms vary across cultures. Demonic possession is not valid psychiatric or medical diagnosis recognized by either DSM-5 or the ICD-10. The DSM-5 indicates that personality states of uh, disassociative Identity disorder may be interpreted as possession in some cultures. The instances of spirit possession are often related to traumatic experiences, suggesting that possession experiences may be caused by mental distress. Some have expressed concern that belief in demonic possession can limit access to health care for the mentally ill. Studies have found that alleged demonic possessions can be related to trauma. Which is true. I mean, it has been related to trauma. Um, but what's your take on it being a, a mental thing? I would say that uh, in some cases, yes. Um, but what you're going to do is some of the criteria, such as, let's say, levitation, moving objects, superhuman strengths, many of those things, uh, physical transformation, many of those things will not be present if it is a mental state. Uh, The problem with the scientific view is that it automatically dismisses the possibility that it's something outside of what they understand, or at least uh, the theories that they they put out there. It would be interesting to take a group of scientists, put them in a room with someone who can levitate off a bed, someone can throw stuff around the room, someone can speak, for instance, the reverse Latin, that they've never had their life in, exhibit all of those other things, and then have them still say, oh, it's a psychological disorder. So when you, when the possession fills certain criteria that go beyond what we physically should be able to do or know, then science has to step back and say, okay, this one is likely possession. But, they don't do that. They have to explain it all by science. And uh, I really think that they miss things in there. Yes, there are people, whether it be trauma or chemical imbalances in the brain, uh, where they can exhibit things that uh, mimic or look very much like possession, but that doesn't mean possession itself isn't real. <coughs> yeah. What's your take on... Um 
How long do you think a possession can last? Do you think it's something that deteriorates the body and the person dies? <coughs> or do you think it's something that somebody could be possessed for like 40 years? I think it really depends upon uh, what is possessing the person mm-hmm. and to what degree it is. If you were to take something that's evil that possesses somebody to use them, then, uh, and let's say the easiest thing to say, compare, and it works with the omen, mm-hmm. but uh, even though in the omen it was the Antichrist, but let's say it possessed a politician. Well, they wouldn't, whatever is in them might work to try and keep them healthy because it wants that power to influence other people. So it, that person might stay healthy for a long period of time because the demonic essence that is in the person, that is possession, possessing the person, is using that person and furthering its goals. Mm. Um, once the job is done, then uh, whether it's short-term, long-term, I think that uh, being possessed is very destructive to the body. It is unnatural to the body, and I think that they will uh, get very sick and eventually die. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like I can see it like a haunting, like latching on to somebody and just being with them forever. But then it goes back to the whole thing of, like, is it trying to soak up your energy or is it trying to prove a point? You know what I mean? Like in the movies, it's always trying to prove a point where it's trying to be noticed and make contact with, uh, you know, the other side and say, hey, hey, I'm here, you know. Um, But I'm sure there's got to be situations where it doesn't, it's not so show-off and it just kind of sinks its hooks in and takes the ride and, you know, when you see someone who might be, you know, depressed and miserable their entire life type deal. Maybe that's the situation for that gloom that hangs over their head constantly. Because I'm sure, you know, you've met people like that. I know I have that are just, you know, they wallow in it. You know, whether, you know, it's just their fault or not or whatever. They, um, it's always there. You know what I mean? It's just there. Nothing, nothing, nothing uh, seems to get better. You know, I'm sure you know the type. Well, I also think that something like that might be a strong attachment. And the yeah. reason there might be that strong attachment that keeps that person in that way, if that person has great potential for good, mm-hmm. if that is a person that could become a healer, uh, could become somebody that could go out and show others a good path, a good way of living, um, then that evil wants to if it can't destroy the person outright, it wants to drag them down and keep them ineffective. Yeah. It wants to keep them all wrapped up in their depression or their illness so that they don't fulfill whatever their potential is. And that's where people who have that potential are attacked. And those are ways that they're attacked um, to stop them from fulfilling their potential and from doing good. And I yeah. think that, yeah, that attachment or... Uh, possession is uh, something which can drag on for a long while and if the person stays good and doesn't turn to evil then I think they will have a difficult life Hmm. yeah well you gotta be careful with it you know Oh yeah, you got you got you got to be careful, and you got to be aware. You've got to know what uh, who you are, and that's where um, 
I think I mentioned a while back, facing your own demons, to exercise those, those things in you that might hold you back. And once you're aware, you can start to recognize outside influences, uh, whether they're demonic or just attachments or evil influences that are trying to corrupt you, so to speak, to turn you away from your path. Yeah. Uh, whether it's a path of enlightenment or whether to do good, whatever it is, it tried to drag you down so you don't do what you should be doing, what you know you really can do. And that's where the, that's where the attack comes. It's not always something uh, straight out of the movie mm-hmm. where someone is uh, taken over and destroyed. Sometimes it's just, you know, chipping away at the willpower, chipping away at the health, chipping away at the mental state so that the person never does what they're capable of doing. That's evil. Well, that's why I brought up that f- hanging with you for 40 years thing because the way they were, medically they were trying to say that, you know, like, uh, the mental thing of it is like, like, like those people that they're somebody else, you know, one day or the next day they're, 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 they're a completely different person. Um, either it fluctuates back and forth or it's just, you know, they just change one day or, and they're just like, this completely different person, um, but to keep it, to keep that going their entire life, I feel like that kind of weighs out. That would weigh out the possession aspect of it if, if there was like a limit, you know what I mean, on, on what was going on. But like the deterioration that would happen is the same deterioration that would happen to these people that were locked up in mental hospitals, you know what I mean? Their bodies would eventually wither away as well, and their minds even more so, and, uh, until it was over. You know, morale, once you break morale, I mean, who's to say if morale even exists in, 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 in some of those folks? But, like, once you break morale, it's like, it's a wrap, you know what I mean? It's only a matter of time before you, you'll eventually just die from, you know... I don't even know what the term is off the top of my head, but, like, what it is, you know? Well, the other thing is that, you know, if uh, if you're looking at evil to influence the world, people tend to think sometimes that uh, whether it is possession or attachment or doing evil, another yeah. way for in evil to influence the world is to stop people mm-hmm. from doing good. If you take someone like um, Mother Teresa, she did a lot of good her whole life. Uh, Gandhi, the good he did. Buddha, the good in the teachings in him. I, All of them went through trials and all of them had doubts. And evil would be very happy if you have a potential Buddha or a potential Gandhi or a potential Mother Teresa or, or someone else of that caliber that can go into the world and do good mm-hmm. evil would be very happy if they could cripple that person so to speak so that they don't follow that path and they've won a battle because that's less good going out there less they have to have to confront um, because they've taken away a source of inspiration they've taken away someone who can lead them down a better path so it's not always uh, spreading evil it's stopping the good that can come from people. Yeah. It's true. You know? 
a tough deal, but it's tricky. The uh, well, did you have anything else you wanted to kind of touch base on about possession and attachments? Maybe like uh, I know we we've we've talked about protection before. You know what I mean? Is there anything that people can just daily do? To keep them protected by, you know, if they don't want, you know, instead of bringing out a scripture or anything, and maybe scripture is the only thing that can protect you. But uh, what could what could just Joe blows who's who doesn't really want to get into paranormal stuff, doesn't want to ghost hunt, doesn't want to do anything like that, but does want to just protect himself from whatever the hell could be floating out there like COVID, you know what I mean? Just floating in the air and could pick, could just, you know, latch on to you. What should, what should those folks, what can those folks do to make things a little better? Their, their day a little brighter. Well, if you can recognize, and I said before, face your own demons, but if you can recognize what's in yourself that brings you down, and in a sense, it's kind of like, uh, it's very uh, Buddhist. Mm-hmm in the sense of uh, what you do when you have an emotional reaction is that you kind of think about it and then just let it flow through you and kind of like, okay, boom, let it go. Or you get angry for no reason. Mm-hmm. If it's psychology, then you look at why you're angry, who did what that triggers that, and get rid of those triggers, break those triggers down. And always self-awareness. You become self-aware of what's going on so you can recognize if there's something on the outside trying to manipulate or get in and you get control over your life and uh, control can also be eating a little better so that your body feels good uh, whether it's taking walks or exercise so it feels good but keeping that mind focused on the positive and when something negative comes up recognizing it if you can't dispel it uh, kick it to the curb for now if it comes back up later maybe you'll have a different viewpoint and be able to solve it Mm. But just keep that focus going ahead and going positive. If you are religious, then you do pray uh, or you meditate, and they're not exclusive because a prayer is a form of meditation or meditation is a form of prayer. It can go yeah. either way. I combine the two. And if you are a person that prays, I know you can look it up online, but there's call, one called St. Benedict's Prayer, and it is a prayer against evil. So, but it's just living your day in awareness of who you are, where you are, what's, what you're doing, why you're doing it. I'm not saying overanalyze, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, you can protect yourself in other ways. Don't spend too much time on, on, uh, Facebook, which is more like a war, a war zone or any other site where, uh, people are battling each other all the time. Take a walk in nature. I mean, right now, I mean, we're still doing this remote. I'm sitting out back. There's green trees around me. There's a slight breeze. There's a chipmunk that just loves to run back and forth around here. It's cute as all hell. Um, I don't have to spend my time engaging in activities, which I know will piss me off, which I know will aggravate me, which I know will uh, bring up anger. Um, I can give myself permission to enjoy life and give yourself permission to enjoy it and be positive. And it all starts with you. And recognize there is a divine spark in you. Honor it and live according to it. But yeah, give yourself permission to be what you really are and enjoy life. I support that. 
that was very inspirational. I thank y'all folks out there. I hope you got some good advice from Ray Bootin and maybe a little bit from myself. You gotta, you gotta be on the lookout. Things floating around that can grab you, slide up in you. Woo! You don't want that. Nope. Well, we'll catch y'all folks on the next episode. You want to say anything else to the folks before we bounce out, Ray? Uh, only what I've said. Give yourself permission to live your life and have a good time. You got one, you might as well do it on your terms. <laughs>